and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. And welcome to another very special episode from the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales forward. Very special because this is one of the last episodes that Phil Jessen will be part of the Sales Chat Show team. Phil is about to take a very well-earned sort of semi-retirement. He'll be doing lots of other stuff, um, I'm sure, but won't be with us at the Sales Chat Show or indeed looking after his customers where he was sadly missed. So we're recording some special episodes to to get the very best out of Phil before he departs. And um, this one is called What Did We Learn From Seven Years of Club Sandwich Lunches with a Leading Sales Expert? Now, the leading sales expert is obviously Phil. Yeah. Just for the sake of our um, sales chat show listeners, we have been doing this podcast now for seven years. And prior to uh, the COVID pandemic, we would usually do it by meeting in person. A particular hotel where we used used their facilities to turn into a studio to record. And it's sort of become a cultural tradition that the lunch order for the three of us was three club sandwiches, three lots of chips, French fries for our American listeners, and either a diet or a full fat Coke or Pepsi. It's never changed. And it has never changed. So that is that is literally seven years of club sandwiches and uh, that we've had. So during those lunches, we obviously talk about various things, and, and we've we've taken the wisdom of Graham. So so wisdom of Phil, and so Graham and I, we are going to share with you what we think are the most important things that we've learned from our esteemed colleague across across those seven years what are the the absolutely most important things so it's only going to be a very short episode because only about one thing he's ever said that's been any yeah, use is it probably so <laughs> we might cobble something together with, with all with all seriousness one one of the things from my perspective one of the things that's been it has to be almost the very best thing phil's ever ever shared with me is his concept of strategic bridges so what on earth is a strategic bridge we've definitely mentioned it before on other episodes but fundamentally is if you imagine an A4 PowerPoint or an A4 piece of paper on the left hand side is where is the customer now and there may be some metrics in there market share customer loyalty profitability things that matter to them the other side the right hand side of the slide or the page is where they would like to be in a defined period of time three to five years with the corresponding metrics so they've grown market share from 10% to 15% they've expanded customer loyalty or, or net recommender score and then going from left to right are the bridges kind of like arrows if you like going across from where they are now to where they want to be how they're planning on doing that and then we can use that to ex- firstly to show we understand their organization what they want to achieve but also we can use that to show how we can help them to move from where they are now to where they want to be. How was that as an explanation, Mr. Strategic Bridges? Very good explanation. And the only thing I would add is that when looking at where the customer is today, 
and where they are going in the future, we are talking about a low number of highly important points. So yeah. probably in each of those columns, no more than 10 bullet point statements. Fantastic. And I have used this in a number of ways. One, I use this as a questioning guide, I suppose. So I ask questions about where the customer is now, why those are important, what are the problems, what's the impact of those problems, where would you like to get to, what were the results, you, you know, what would life look like if you were able to do this, how are you planning on getting there, or maybe where are you getting stuck with any of those. And then you're able to articulate how you can help, which I think positions you as a strategic partner and strategic enabler at the risk of sounding too grandiose. The other thing, is that whole conversation or a presentation which has maybe that diagram on it, it's all about the customer. The response I've had from customers to that as well, and it differentiates you versus the competition who are trotting out the same old 10 PowerPoint slides about the history of the company <laughs> and the awards they've won. My presentation, which is often just that slide, literally just that slide, and that's the entire, I've had a whole sales pitch with that one slide. The other thing I would just add to that again is that in the construction of that understanding there is probably a friendly ally somewhere in the decision-making process and that friendly ally is the sort of person who can be very very helpful in helping to contribute to our understanding of that diet or indeed yeah. testing it and to say listen I'm going to be talking to your colleagues in a week's time this is going to be the slide. Have I got that right? And maybe that friendly ally might say, well, not quite. And that, mm. that needs to be this and this needs to be whatever. The ally is sometimes referred to um, other ways of thinking about that is the champion, in someone internally who is, who is interested in you becoming the supplier because they genuinely believe you're the best choice. They will sell on your behalf internally yeah. and also guide you. And or, slightly different role, the coach is someone who will guide you through the customer's landscape. It's an internal, someone inside the customer, and again, they've got a vested interest, but sometimes maybe lack the authority of the champion, but they'll be exactly, can I just share with my strategic bridges, this is what I'm thinking of saying, what have I missed? And like you say, that, that is really, really, really powerful. And not only is it a business winning tool, but on, a, on an ongoing basis at review meetings, it really becomes more about updating our understanding of the strategic bridges, and in some cases, making sure that we update it and send back to them a copy of it. And have you, have you experienced, I've certainly experienced, trying to construct it with the customer sometimes, they get a bit stuck because yeah. they don't necessarily know the answer to some of those things and yeah. that's been a very interesting conversation because yeah. you're kind of co-creating yes. the solution which in itself is adding value yes unlike our competitors so if we are helping them improve their understanding of their stuff they will feel that so I would definitely, that would be my big, big recommendation. Mr. Mr. Jones. Well, one thing I've learned uh, from Phil over these years is that there are three ways of saying the same thing. Because uh, you can either talk about key account management, you can either talk about KAM, or you can talk about CAM. Um, and as we know, that he is the CAM guru. Um, and so key account management is uh, something I've learned from Phil. Not that 
every one of your customers is going to be a key account because as uh, many people will know, Phil is a, an expert in the Pareto principle. I'm sure you'll talk about that in a while. But uh, so, you know, most of your customers are going to, most of your business is going to come from 20% of your customers, your key accounts. But I think the one thing that comes through everything Phil says is that if you treat everybody as though they were a key account, they will become a key account. And so it's about the approach you take to sales overall is treating every customer with that kind of key account approach will make sure that actually they end up being a key account and they will be one of that 20%. Uh, and those that drift by the wayside, you've treated them as well as you can. They may come back to you in years to come, but they're going to come back to you with a much more positive view as opposed to if you just ignored them because you're concentrating on your key accounts. So I think what I've learned is that treat everybody as a key account. Well, I think also um, when I'm working with customers on this, the general default is key accounts are the big ones. So they are the 20% that deliver the 80% yeah. revenue. And I, I'm definitely not saying that's wrong, but I don't think that should be the only consideration because it's who might be your key accounts in the future yeah, because yeah. of developments, market yeah. change, products change, things change. Um, but I think also people with the potential to be key accounts. And I've certainly managed a customer in a, in a, in a fast-moving consumer goods, and they were a relatively small customer in overall revenue, but the socio-demographic profile of their customer base, very ABC1, very affluent, were very important to the company being able to seed new premium products to a sophisticated, so they were a, probably all key accounts are strategic, but they were more of like a strategic key account than a revenue key account. But we managed them very closely because of the importance of yeah. those customers as early adopters for product launches of some very high margin yeah. premium, I, I, premium I products. Think, I think one phrase I've tried not to use is that key account key accounts are more important than other customers. But what I often say, is that key accounts are different and you've just explained why they might be different they might have huge potential they might be door openers they might have some major service issues going on at the moment so therefore we need to be treating them differently but there will be something about them that is different from the other yeah. batch of customers and having defined each year what criteria you're going to use to define who are our current key accounts. It's important, of course, that the board then let everybody know exactly who they are, because typically in the work that I've done over the years, I could be in the boardroom in the morning, just tell me about your key accounts and who are they. Outside the boardroom, people have got a totally different understanding about who the key accounts are. So mm. it's about making sure that everybody is focused on who they are, why they're there, why they're different, and what needs to happen in the next 12 months or so. And like you say, it's not, it's not that they're more important. They're often, from a revenue point of view, quite business critical, they can be, but also having a balanced portfolio of other customers, sometimes smaller customers' margins can be a little bit better than mm. with larger customers. That's you know, not always the case, but sometimes that can be. Yeah. So having, having the right spread and balance, I think, yeah. is And the criteria can be different. I, th I think I worked once with a, a chief executive who had a very healthy approach to this. His organisation had got 120 branches, 
He was very active in the field, always out doing visits to branch managers. And he simply said to the branch managers, I expect you to have three key accounts at any moment in time, and you need to tell me why you've made them key. Great. So in his discussions with those branch managers, there could be a totally different definition, but they were nevertheless being treated differently for whatever reason. And I think also uh, this will be music to Graham's ears, because I know Graham is, is not a big fan of, of traditional sales targets, that we say, for various reasons. So, so they, that's not music to my ears, that's horrible noise, sales targets. Sales targets, sorry, the fact that you, you're, Graham's opinion you shouldn't have them is what I meant by music, so, uh, <laughs> and Phil and I slightly less convinced. Uh, make sure you listen to that episode where uh, Graham argues and, and probably Phil and I lose uh, on, on the subject of sales targets. But you need to think about how you KPI, for want of a better target, <laughs> objectives for key account managers because they, they might need to be different than they are for and on that sort of business point, development. Yeah, I, I think the objectives for a key account are really in three areas. Objective number one is what are we planning to do next year that will add value to them? That's the first thing. The second one is well, what are we planning to do that will improve our position? And the third one, which is the people bit, what are we doing with them to develop relationships at all levels? And that makes sure that key account management is then perceived very much as a team sport, two teams of people working with each other. Our team, their team. Fantastic. And, and my other big learning from Phil, and I, if I'm being absolutely honest, I knew about this before I met Phil, um, but Phil has added a lot of additional um, uh, value to this concept, which is the good old Vilfredo Pareto 80-20 analysis. Vilfredo Pareto, Italian economist, first person to notice that 20% of the people in Italy owned 80% of the wealth. Graham thinks he plays for Milan. <laughs> <laughs> which perhaps, perhaps he does in between, his, in between his work. In between his economics work. And, and I, I tongue-in-cheek, refer to him as my favourite Italian because I have lots of people of Italian uh, background who I like very much indeed. But why is he so my favourite? <laughs> because I was introduced to it when I moved from being, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, a sales representative being a territory manager. And my boss at the time sat me down and said, how's it been going? And I said, oh, I've been very busy. So obviously as a sales rep, I'd be eight calls a day, very busy, busy, busy doing. And he was really interested to know when I was going to be doing any thinking. I do remember that conversation. And he introduced me to this concept, like, you know, who are your most important customers? And then who are likely to be your most important customers, you know, in the future? And what are you going to be doing? So, you know, the idea that approximately 20% of your revenue, sorry, 20% of your customers deliver 80% of your your revenue. The percentages will obviously be slightly different from time to time, but you know, that's the kind of, and it's just stood me in such good stead as a sales manager, a Pareto who's performing well in the team, who's not on which products, da, 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 as, a, as a national account manager, which which SKUs, which, which, which products are bringing in the most revenue, and as a one SKU out of 24 was 80, something like 83, 4% of my, so guess, guess what I did first thing Monday, just made sure that one product was sorted, you know, so it's, it's that, that 
just the philosophy I think has yes. influenced me. Um, and then you've added a whole lot of other of other great. Tell, give us your 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 most most important wisdom on on the Pareto or eighty twenty. Well, nobody quite knows why it exists, but it does exist. Yeah. And if you think about where we are now, Christmas songs on the radio, you can guarantee that when there's a poll done of the nation's favourite Christmas song, that 80% of the votes, if you like, will be put on 20% of the songs. That's how yeah. it will work. It's one of those laws of life, if you want to call it that. And it's important within a business setting that we know exactly what that means. Is it the 20% of customers generating 80% of sales, or to some, is it the 20% generating 80% of the revenue? To an HR director, it's very often 20% of the people that are generating 80% of the problems, absenteeism, and yeah. the like. Well, that's, that's sometimes what I refer to as the reverse Pareto, when I then say to salespeople, so which are the which are the twenty percent of customers who are generating eighty percent of the hassle, and how does that stack up against yeah. the revenue they're bringing in? And we've Graham, you've mentioned this previously around about maybe not sacking customers, right? But but sometimes you might want to take a decision, might you? That, that some I've sacked customers, yeah, get rid of them because yeah. they're a drain on the business. Yeah, but I think the. The 80-20 rule ties into the long tail rule um, and you know where 80% of your website visitors go to one page and 20% go to hundreds of other pages on your website but when then you look at the income, the 80% of the income is coming from the 20% of the, so the, the, the tail of the visitors. So you see this um, rule everywhere you look. Mm. Yeah, it's it's there everywhere. I, I once ran a training course where there was a very lively comedian in inverted commas within yeah. the group, and with a lovely smile on his face, he said, uh, "Before we start, um, could I safely assume that eighty percent of the value is going to come in twenty percent of the time?" I said, "Yes, that's absolutely." Well, just give us that bit, <laughs> <laughs> which was a masterstroke. Uh, yeah. That's where you have to go, don't you? You have to go yeah. touche. So yeah. I like, I like, yeah. I like your style. So, yeah. Exactly. Was your response something sort of facilitatory, like, well, I think I struggled. I might have, I might have blurted out something. Well, well, that's your view, but there might be something over here, and your twenty percent is not the same as somebody else's twenty percent. I was going to say, it's very difficult to know what the twenty percent for each person exactly. is going to be. Yeah. So we need to. So I'm going to cover the lot, shut up. Yeah, there's five people in the room, all with a different 20%, so you need all 100%. Yep. There you go. <laughs> but I think it also applies, you can just, like I say, it is a philosophy, so it's like inductions for, for a new hire, new hire salespeople. What's the 20% they must know to be up to speed as fast as possible? Yep. And then the others, you can do that later. Because yeah. many onboarding processes, inductions, too much too, too, too crammed in too period of time and people just yeah. can't take it on board. So what's the most important thing? It, as I said, it's a law of life and, and, and at home, if you think about school children going through exams, it's very, very important, of course, that that child yeah. understands that in all of that syllabus, probably there's going to be Pareto at work and some parts of the syllabus are going to have much, much more significance yeah. and yeah. waiting than other parts. So what are those key elements on that geography 
syllabus or history syllabus than all the Pareto bits. And here's another question for you folks. What 20% of your sales presentation is going to be the most important and relevant to your customers and therefore do you need the other 80? Because research decision labs in the USA, customers after 48 hours typically remember 8 to 12% of your presentation. So similar-ish to Pareto. Question is, what 8 to 12% do you want them to remember? And if you've exactly. got too much, they won't remember. Is that fair? So have you got psychology to back no, that no, up? Or I just, am I just fishing just, in the dark? No, no, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, when I'm marking essays, I get, you know, there's a phrase that somebody's put in, and I say, you know, this is a useless phrase, don't put it in. Because if I delete this phrase, your sentence remains the same and has the same meaning. So therefore, those words were unnecessary because the meaning has not been changed. So you're just wasting the words by putting them in to pad it out, it's irrelevant. And it's the same with slides, that you know, people put in slides for their presentation because they think they've got to have the company history, where we are in the world, and all those kind of things, because everybody else has it. And then I say to them, which of these slides will convey your meaning, and which ones, and if I delete them, are not going to change the meaning of your presentation? And usually when you do that, you can take 54 slides down to one, um, because the other 53 slides were unnecessary. So you, you see this kind of, everywhere you look really, there is a load of unnecessary stuff being added to the 20% that's really important. Yeah, I learned this as a sales manager. Um, we had, originally we had sales teams working on vertical channels of trade. And then the decision was taken to reorganize and have it done geographically. So rather than having a salesperson by channel, they would cover Yorkshire, for example, in the UK, and they would cover the three channels of trade. So it was efficient, but it meant there was more complexity for that salesperson to, to manage. And for the first two or three months, sales meetings were a bit of a battle to get everybody's head around all the various promotional activities and things. So we'd have like 25 things they needed to do across the month, across these three areas. And 25 is, just doesn't work, you can't do it. So being a very smart individual, I decided we would brainstorm together the top three. And we put the top three on the flip chart. And I said, there we are, excellent job done. And then a very wily and senior member of my team put me on the spot <laughs> and said, so next month, <clears throat> if I deliver on those three, but I don't deliver on number 22, you're not gonna criticize me. He used a different word. And I paused, paused for thought, and went, yes. Not meaning it, thinking, oh my God, I'm gonna to get to set up. But I, I, I was put on the spot, so against my better will, I had to say yes. But actually what happened was because they had clarity, they were much more productive. But, you know, if you're gonna prioritize, prioritize. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> So, we have had strategic bridges, yep. we have had the 80-20 Pareto principle, and I think we've had the philosophy and thinking. The mindset. The, the mindset the of key of Treating key them like a key account, account management. Yeah. So I'd say, takeaways, go and do a strategic bridges, get the 80-20, apply it to your customer base, and think about your key accounts, who they are, why they are, and who might be your key accounts in the future. 
and to maybe to Graham's point, who who might become a key account if you start treating them like a yeah. key account? So I you, think there's you, something else that we've learned from Phil, and that is that his military background um, means that he approaches everything like a military manoeuvre. Mm and is very precise in doing things and very organised in doing things. And if he hadn't been that organised, we would never have ended up with our club sandwiches at exactly the right time every this time is, we met. This so, is at 12, 30, 100 hours, absolutely, I believe. Absolutely, 12, 30, 100 hours. With well, mayonnaise, well, with ketchup. Yeah. After deploying his lunchtime sandwich briefing yeah. to the hotel at Because the he goes off and he gets the hotel staff and briefs them as to what's required and tells them what time they need to deliver the sandwich. Um, and it's a, that military background, that organised background that comes through. I knew it would come in handy. Yep. <laughs> so thank you very much for for all of the wisdom, Phil, that you've shared with me. Well, Ray you've come up I. with three points. You've clearly forgotten the other 495 I've come up with. But the Pareto the rule comes Pareto, into play. We've, we've Paretoed it. And all the other 495 are in the 250 episodes Beth. of the Sales Chat Show. Have a look at them all and Pareto your top 20% folks and make Fair sure you enough. listen You listen to those. Uh, as I say, 250 episodes in the back catalogue, all available from wherever you prefer to get your podcast and all the details available from our website, saleschatshow.com. So in the meantime, from Phil Graham and myself, good luck and good selling, folks. You have been listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at the Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. <laughs>